Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. We believe that this message is going to open up the seals and cause you to have a deeper revelation into the Word of God that will make you see beyond the letters in the Word. Here is Dr. David. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we just want to thank you this morning. We want to exalt your name because you are such a good, a faithful, and a loving Father. We thank you because you are precious and you are wonderful to each and every one of us. Lord, even now, we come to receive instruction from you. We ask in my general asking, Father, that you teach us and guide us by your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so... This is going to be part number three, and we'll continue with our study on wisdom in silence. I don't know how many of you have really enjoyed that, but I've been getting a lot of feedback from people, even outside of this country, how much this word is helping them, transforming them. Wisdom in silence. And I know for me, this is very important. I'm not only just preaching to you, I'm also receiving instruction from his presence. Hallelujah. Okay, again, we'll go back for our main test, Proverbs 4, verse number 7. And uh, Proverbs 4, 7, the Bible says, Wisdom is a principal thing, therefore get wisdom. And we told that getting, get understanding. And I keep telling you, understanding is the application of wisdom. Wisdom is what you have received from the Lord. And most often you find that actually, even if you don't seem to think you don't have wisdom, you can get wisdom. The word of God is the ultimate wisdom that you need. Hallelujah. Wisdom is the principal thing that we told I get in get what? Understanding. And that's what we're dealing with. And we are saying here that wisdom is the first thing you seek for in life. In every situation, in every capacity, you want to find yourself, whether in business, whether in marriage, the first thing you need is what? Wisdom. Hallelujah. That's the principal thing. The first thing you need. And I told you that the word principal actually speaks of the force in rank, in place, and in order. Force in rank, place, and order. Force in rank, place, and order. The principal thing, the first thing you need. So to start anything, the foundation you need to lay to be able to get something going or get your life going is what? Wisdom. Hallelujah. You need it. And it's powerful for you to understand that. It's what can bring changes to human life anytime, anywhere. It gives you stability. It gives you strength. It is like building your house on the rock that Jesus will describe. The storm will come. The wind will come. But nothing will happen to it. That's exactly what wisdom is. Amen? Okay. So, look with me in Proverbs chapter 15, verse 28. Um, wisdom in silence. I try to tell you that it's not every time you are supposed to open your mouth to talk. Sometimes it's just not necessary. And there's a lot of wisdom in it. Proverbs 15 verse 28. The heart of the righteous toddeth to answer. But the mouth of the wicked poureth out evil things. <laughs> toddeth to answer. Now I need you to get that. The mouth of the righteous toddeth to answer. That is to say before a righteous man speaks, he study the situation. That a process or the time he spent to study the situation is a moment of silence. Hallelujah. And I want you to get that. The heart of the righteous toddeth to do what to answer. He don't just talk. 
you study, you take time. So the moment of the time of study to answer is a moment of silence. And then you get good answers at that particular time. But it says, but the mouth of the wicked poureth out evil things. Okay, take it from the NLT. Let me show you this. The heart of the godly thinks carefully before speaking. Praise God. Did you get that? The heart of the godly thinks carefully. That's what's missing every one of us. Most often we don't think. It's not just about thinking. It's a careful thinking. Taking time to observe what you are about to say. Taking time to observe if that which you are about to say can be of benefit to your hearers. Look at it. You see, a lot of people don't think before they speak. That's the problem. But God wants you to think. This thing I'm about to say, how is it going to affect my spouse? How is it going to affect my brother? How is it going to affect my sister? They're godly at heart. They think carefully before they speak. That's what I mean. King James, study. The moment of study is the moment of thinking. Hallelujah. Before he opens his mouth, he thinks. <laughs> but the Bible says, but of the wicked, it overflows with evil words. They don't think. You don't know how the words you speak to people affect them. And that's what causes a lot of problems, even at home, even in church, in the society. Let me tell you something. There is no war that ever starts on this earth without somebody first speaking. Somebody must have altered the world somewhere. And in responding to that world, that's where wars comes from. Not thinking carefully before you speak. Not thinking carefully before you alter or open your mouth. In fact, where you don't think carefully before opening your mouth, the Bible says you are wicked. You are wicked. <laughs> and, and out of that wicked state, words are flowing out, words are pouring out. You are damaging not just people, you are also damaging yourself because we rate you by what you say. Hallelujah. Wow. Living Bible, you may not have it in your system, but it says this. A good man thinks before he speaks. The evil man pours out his evil words without a thought. That's the difference. So when you speak without thinking, the Bible calls you an evil man. When you just utter your words without thinking, the Bible says you are an evil man. You know, you've heard people say, well, I'm going to pour out my heart. You understand that? I'll pour out my heart. What is in your heart you want to pour out? As long as you don't think before pouring out your heart, you are an evil person. That's what God sees you. But the moment of thinking, the moment of silence, that's what I was saying, there's wisdom in what? In silence. You don't just pour out your heart. I want, I want to pour out my heart. Let me pour out my heart. Your heart, how many of you understand? 
that the heart of man is desperately wicked. The Bible says, above all things, he said, who can know it? The heart of man is desperately wicked above all things. Who can know it? So when you want to pour out your heart, what do you think you are pouring out? Evil. Why? Because a godly man will think carefully before he speaks. Praise the Lord. Check some of the problems you have with your wife or your, your husband or your brother or your sister. They are going to come from one word spoken by any one of you. And once you can't resolve those things, you keep on pouring. I pour out my heart. I pour out my heart. What do you have in your heart? You can trust your heart. Listen, if the Bible says, Proverbs 29, 11, if the Bible says the heart of man is desperate, I mean, Jeremiah, desperately wicked above all things, above all things, that means the heart is more wicked than the devil. He said above all things. How many of you understand what I mean? If the heart is desperately wicked above all things, that means your heart is more wicked than the devil. So how can you trust your heart? If you can't trust the devil, you can't even trust your heart. That is except you have a godly heart. Hallelujah. And if you have a godly heart, how do you respond to a situation? You're going to be silent. You're going to think. Not just thinking. You're going to be careful in thinking. She study to answer. Hallelujah. Are you following me? Let me show you what it means to be wicked. Hebrew 3 verse 12. Hebrew 3 verse 12. The wicked man pours out. <laughs> Overflows with wrong words. So we say wicked man. Take it brethren. Let there be. Let there be. In any of you. An evil heart of unbelief. In departing from the living God. Evil heart of unbelief. Where you don't trust God. Where you don't take the word of God to heart. Where you don't relate to the spirit of God to guide you in what you say. You have an evil heart. And you can't pour out your mind from that state because your heart is evil. You don't believe God. You can trust God to solve even the problem you think you're having. You just pour out your heart. Why? You have an unbelief in who God is. Hallelujah. And once our belief comes in, no faith. And once there's no faith, you become an unbeliever, in quote. And when he's learning an unbeliever, he said, A foolish man has said in his heart that there is no God. If you can't trust God to guide you in decision making, you're saying God is a fool. Or you are a fool. You don't trust God. That's what you're saying. Foolish heart. Wicked heart of unbelief. And this is why you find that the children of Israel could not enter the promised land. Why? They have a heart of unbelief. Praise God. Are we still here? All right. So, remember I'm defining these two things for you. Wisdom and what? Silence. What I've just said now is, if you can pay close attention to what you are about to say, you are not acting in wisdom. But wisdom demands that before you open your mouth, you first have to have a break. Keep a break. Hallelujah. Take a moment to think over what you want to say. That's what we're saying. And that is a moment of silence. Take a minute to think over what you want to say. 
no matter how you want to present it, no matter who you want to say it to, take a minute. Just pause for a moment before you speak. Because you can't trust your hearts. You can't even trust the words that you're about to say. You don't know how dangerous they could be. They could piercing words, piercing words like serpent piercing the listeners. You are damaging souls by just simply opening your mouth anytime, anyhow, because you feel you must pour out your mind. Even if you are offended, you got to take a moment before you speak. Hallelujah. Because once you are angry, you can say anything. And then you are departing from God. You are no longer having a godly heart, like the Bible says. But a man that has a godly heart thinks carefully before he speaks. Hallelujah. Go with me to Proverbs 15, verse 23. Proverbs 15, verse 23. A man had joy by the answer of his mouth. And a word spoken in due season. How good is it? Hallelujah. It was spoken in good season. How good it is. Let me remember last week we read, there's time to speak and a time to be silent. Remember that. So, even if your wife offended you, even if your husband offended you, there's a time to speak. Hallelujah. Look at that. A man had joy by the answer of his mouth. And the word spoken in due season. How good. A word spoken in due season. Not any time. You can't just be speaking any time you want to speak. Praise God. Take the front NLT. Let's see. Everyone enjoys a fitting reply. It is wonderful to say the right thing at the right time. It's wonderful to say the right thing, what time? At the right time. So there's a right time to say some things. Do you understand this? There's a right time. Not every time. You don't just say whatever you want to say every time. There's a right time to say some things. And when you say them at the right time, the person you are speaking to receives them. It will not be like an attack. It will not be like an abuse. Because you move to the right time to be able to speak. Praise the living God. Listen. Jesus will speak and the people say, what kind of wisdom is this? How many of you understand what I'm saying? How has he learned this wisdom? What kind of wisdom is this? The way you speak, we will know. If you lack wisdom or you have wisdom. The time you speak, we will know. If you lack wisdom, or we have wisdom. So it's important that you understand this simple principle. What's he saying? There is time to speak. Not all the time, no matter how hot you are. Are you following me? Just take a moment. Calm down. People will tell you, I remember some time ago, somebody will say, if you're angry, breathe in five times. In, out, in, out. Five times before you say anything. That's a moment of silence. You know, by the time you breathe in five times, in, out, in, out, and the person is standing before you, you have nothing to alter. Before you finish that exercise, something else will have come to your mind. What you wanted to say before must have changed. 
that simple exercise of breathing in five times, in, out, in, out, five times, not being in a hurry, the moment of silence, something else will come to your mind. If you are about to insult the person before, you will not be able to do that because another spirit, another mind instantly comes to you. You succeeded in calming your spirit. You succeeded in winning yourself, in dealing with yourself. You've come to the place where you're now having a godly wisdom because you're thinking before you speak. So the moment you're doing that, you are thinking. Now think about that. You have a problem with your wife or somebody and then he just insults you and now you're standing there breathing in and out, in and out. Talk now. Let me slap you. Talk. Let me slap you. You are also breathing. Fifth, by the time you finish, the man will not have the time to slap you because you have said nothing. I don't know if you are getting what I'm saying. Even, even if you are the man, you can't respond because you are thinking. The moment of silence will resolve so many problems in our homes. So many problems in our society. So many problems around the corner. The moment of silence will bring ideas to you that you were never thinking about before. So don't be in a hurry to speak. It's a sign of somebody who lacks wisdom. But there's wisdom in what? In silence. Praise God. Is anybody getting this? All right. Okay, let me show you something. Simple illustration on this. Genesis 24 verse 17. Mm. This is the life of Eliezer who went to take um, Rebekah for Isaac. Abraham sent him to go get Rebekah, the wife, for Isaac. So, and I need to give you a simple illustration here. Look at it. And the Bible and the servant ran to meet her and said, let me appraise it. Rebekah came to fetch with them the well and all of them. And said, let me appraise him. Drink a little water of thy pitcher. And she said, drink my Lord. And she hasted and laid down her pitcher upon her hand and gave him drink. And when she had done drinking, I mean giving him drink, she said, I will draw water for thy camels also until they have done drinking. And she hastened and emptied her pitcher into the trough and ran again into the well to draw water and to draw water of all his camels. Now, just a little bit of moral lesson here you need to know. Good sometimes, the good you do they lead you to your destiny. This person is sent to go take a wife. She has not, I mean, he has not even known who this woman is going to be. But yet, he meets a stranger, if you will, and look at the presentation. This woman was able to bring water from the well, not only give to Eliezer, but also give to the camels. A lot of us are too hard in our heart to be generous towards people without even realizing that such people are the channels and the door that God has opened for us to get to our success even in life. Are you with me? Sisters, this, this one is very important. Very important for you to know that you can do good to people and open a door 
to your life. Remember the woman that took care of Elisha. Amen. The woman perceived that this must be a man of God. The husband did not. Every time Elisha is passing by with Gehazi, this woman was able to perceive that this must be the man of God. I don't understand how she got the understanding or the inspiration. And the man was so blinded. But guess what? And she said, no, let's provide a place for him to stay. Let's provide a table for him to read his book and a light and then food. Anytime he's passing by, they have the whole home for him. Anytime. This is your own home. Being a receptionist or other one. What I'm going to pin it. A good guest. I mean, a good host to people. You don't know who you're helping. It could be an angel of God. It could be a messenger of God. Amen? And that generosity is what broke the spirit of barrenness in the house of the woman. Because when he wanted to leave, he said, Come on, let me go speak to your people about you, how good you are. And he said, No, I'm not about my people. And then Gehazi said, This woman have no child. And the man said, This time next year, you're going to have your child. The spiritual brightness because of generosity. Some of you, what can open doors for you and break some of the spirit you are passing through is just being generous to people. Just being generous to messengers of God. Just being partners with messengers of God. You may not understand, but you can literally break loose some of the things that are tied up in your life. Just being generous to God's people, to God's messengers. Hallelujah. Are you there with me? So let's move on. What's the next thing? And the man wondering at her held his peace to we whether the Lord had made his journey prosperous or not. What did he do? He held his peace. He started thinking, could this be the woman I'm looking for? Hallelujah. Remember, he hasn't met her before. This is Rebecca. Abraham always said, go to my people or whatever. Go get a woman for Isaac. And now he had his encounter. And right away when he was going on, the Bible says he held his peace. Wisdom in what? His silence. At that moment, he begins to think. At that moment, he begins to meditate. Is my journey now fruitful or not? And of course, the answer came. This is the woman you should be looking for. Praise the living God. The moment of silence that he had was the hour that God revealed to him, this is the woman you're looking for. There is wisdom in what is silence. Don't be in a hurry. In taking decisions, don't be in a hurry. Praise God. Did you get it? So, the full content, you have to understand that. Before you get your victory sometimes, you got to be silent. Hallelujah. Before the victory you're looking for, before the science, the success you may be asking for comes your way, you got to maintain a moment of silence. 
Just be at peace. Just be relaxed. Just hold on. Praise the living God. This woman, I mean, this guy, Eliezer, has already got the victory now. But how? He got to be silent for a moment. He started looking at the whole scenario. Begin to examine what is going on. How could this woman just do all of this thing to me? I mean, how? Is this the answer to my request? Is this the answer? I mean, the solution to the problem I have. Is this the success I'm looking for? Just to get a woman for Isaac. And in that moment, he was able to examine and see that this must be the woman I'm looking for for my master's son. Praise the living God. So you see, like we said last week, God can speak to you in a moment of what? Of silence. In a moment of silence. Right at this time, you never go into introduction. When you go back and read the whole story, amen. And remember, when he goes down to the people, in fact, he learns how to say, hey, don't delay me, for God has answered my prayer and the request being sent for, I already got it. He was telling the people. He got a conclusion. He got understanding. He got a full revelation that this must be the wife of the master's son. How did he get that? He was silent. We talk too much. We open our mouth too quickly. We don't have time to think. We don't have time to meditate. Hallelujah. We don't have time, even after praying, we don't have time to listen to what God has to say. You need a moment of silence to get some results. Sometimes after praying, that, that moment of silence, that's when wisdom begins to come. What next to do? Which way to go? They begin to flow into your life. Praise the living God. Okay. Take another scripture with me. Leviticus 10. Look at verse 1 to 11. I mean, verse 1 to... Let's take it up to 3. Book of Leviticus. This one is what shatters my spirit when I was studying. The Bible says, Anadab and Abihu. Now, Anadab and Abihu are the sons of Aaron. The sons of Aaron took either of them his censer and put fire during and put inside their own and offered strange fire before the Lord, which he commanded them not. This is sacrifices. This is ministry. This is prayer, if you will. Hallelujah. And remember, they were priests of God. Because again, they are the sons of Aaron. Okay, look at the next thing. I'll show you where I'm going to. And they went out fire from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. That's why you don't have to be careless with the things of God. God is not interested in introducing what he's not interested in into your worship. Hallelujah. Come on, are you there with me? Look at the next thing. Then Moses said unto Aaron, This is it that the Lord spake, saying, I will be sanctified in them that come nigh me, and before all the people I will be glorified. And Aaron held his peace. That's what I want you to see. Most challenging. Most challenging. Aaron held his peace. How? <laughs> oh my God. Listen, you are a father. You are a parent. Are you listening to me? And you lost your children. Praise the Lord. Are you following me? I mean, you are a father of children, grown up, and they just died. 
and you have nothing to say. You held your peace. How is that possible? How can you picture that? Praise the living God. Are we still here? I mean, yeah, he came to the point of, it's like saying, God, I don't understand. I need to understand what is going on. He held his peace. No parents can do that. Hallelujah. No parents. But yeah, he submitted, if you will, to the justice of God. It's like saying, Father, thy knowest. Amen? I'm, I mean, we're looking at children who are just coming up in their prime and they just die just like that because they were careless about the things of God. But Aaron held his peace. Maybe Aaron would have said, God, why did you have to do that? Why can't you forgive them? What is it that they've done that will make you look at me? Aaron held his peace. I don't know how many of you can come to this place of being silent when you miss your children, when certain things happen, when your business just came down. How many of you can still be silent before God? How many of you can still come to the place of believing that God is still alive even in the midst of that? Praise the living God. Are you see here? Now this is supposed to be something of a terrible grief Unto who? Unto Iran. And you know what that means before? Praise the Lord. It's supposed to be a moment of deep sorrow, a moment of terrible anguish from the heart. I mean, you've lost everything. You've lost your children. You've lost your wife. Whatever it is. It's a terrible moment. But listen, what this place is teaching us is this. In the midst of terrible trials, you keep quiet. Hallelujah. Are, are you following this? You know what? You know what the Englishman call being loquacious. To be loquacious means you're full of talking. You talk too much. Hallelujah. Excessive talking. But you see. <laughs> Grief, if you are truly grieving, you can't express yourself. So those who talk when they are grieving, they are not actually grieving the way they are supposed to grieve. True grief will make you to groan within you. I don't know if I'm getting that. You will just be there. Mm, mm. You will just be groaning. You will have nothing to alter. But what do we see? Certain things happen, blah, 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 blah. You'll just be talking. You'll be asking questions. You'll be asking God questions, left and right. No. True grief, you'll be able to open your mouth. Check the case of, I mean, of Job. The Bible made us understand he sat down there for a number of days. He would say nothing. The friends came talking all that they are supposed to do. This man will say nothing for the number of days he was sitting down there, just sat down there looking at them, saying all that he has said. If you are truly grieving, you will have nothing to say. Most of us don't know. <laughs> they love, we think we are expressing ourselves when we say all that we are supposed to say in one minute. No. If you are really grieving, 
you will have nothing to say. Your mouth will be shut. The pains will be too much for you to open your mouth. Aaron kept silence because he can't imagine what happened. He just kept his peace. He maintained his peace. Hallelujah. What have ever happened to you that makes you feel the world is upside down? What has ever happened to you that makes you feel God is no longer in existence? Whatever happened to you? Nothing. Be at peace. You find an answer. There will be a solution. God will begin to speak to your mind. If only you can hold your peace. I told you last week, you talk too much most times so you don't even hear when God is talking. Hallelujah. Praise God. Are you still here? All right. Let's take this last one. And I'm sure this is going to help you. Look at it. 1 Samuel chapter 10. Let's look at verse 26, 27. 1 Samuel 10, 26, 27. Mm-hmm. And the Bible is saying, And Saul also went home. This is after, this is after Samuel has anointed him to be king. And Saul also went home to Gibeah. And then worked with him a band of men whose heart God has touched. Verse 27. But the children of Belial said, How shall this man save us? And they despise him. Follow that. They despise him. And they brought him no presence. But what did he do? He held his peace. <laughs> do you know the implication of this? He held his peace. They brought him no presence. Now, you see, as a king, you don't go to the presence of a king with empty hands. But here is a man being ordained of the king. They didn't bring any presence to him. You know what that means? It simply means you are not qualified to be our king. They despise him. They rejected his kingship. Even though Samuel anointed him. My question to you is this. How many of you can still hold your peace when you are disrespected? All of us are victims. Because we don't really understand what it means to be silenced when we are disrespected, when we are despised, when we are abused, when we are insulted. We don't have understanding as to what happens. But here is Saul. He held his peace. Remember, he was a king. He has right to do anything to these people as a king. Remember, this was supposed to be his right as a king. That prison be brought to him. Actually, which has to do with taxation. Every king has to do with tribute. They pay tribute to him. But here are people who refuse to pay him tribute because they feel he is not a king unto them. Think about that. In your family, some people don't respect you. I mean, maybe in the church too. Yes, we are people who will not want to respect you. What do we do? We have the right, yes, just like Saul, but he kept his peace. There is wisdom in silence. Praise the living God, somebody. You are a father in the home. You have been disrespected every now and then. What are you going to do? Think about it. You are a leader. And the people are leading and not respecting you. What are you going to do? Keep silent for a moment. God is going to give you wisdom. 
God is going to give you understanding. Are you following what I'm talking about? He was a king. I repeat, he has all the right to deal with them as a king. I mean, I'm not talking of these political kings we have today. King of those times, you know how terrible and strong they were supposed to be. He was a king in his own right. He could do anything to the people. They refused to bring taxes to him. They refused to bring tributes to him. By the midst of that, he held his peace. Praise the living God. Are you following me? I was speaking to a pastor the other day. Was, I said, listen to me. Don't expect that everybody in your church will send you presents. He was saying, what do you mean? I said, I meant exactly what I just said. Don't expect that. That everybody's going to be bringing presents to you, bring gift to you, bring whatever. Don't expect that. You don't expect that. There are people who feel once they pay their offering, where they, I mean, they give their offering, they pay their tithe, that is all they got to do. Maybe they make contribution towards a project, whatever. But to think of bringing you presents to the house, not everybody thinks about that. What are you going to do? Hold your peace. The ones that are bringing, fine. God have told your heart. The one you're not bringing, assuming God have not told your heart. Praise God. Are you listening to what I'm talking about? Hold your peace as a leader. Hold your peace as a father. Hold your peace as a mother. There is wisdom in silence. Anytime. Now, Saul was supposed to feel mad. This is, this is, this is insulting. This is an insult to me as a king. In the midst of that, he kept quiet. He held his peace. If there is anything Saul have not done that was so perfect, it's not this one. This one was perfect. Hallelujah. I don't know if you are getting this. He held his peace. The people refused to recognize him. The people refused to acknowledge him. They said, you can't be a king to rule over us. And to prove that, I'm not bringing anything to you. If you like, go kill yourself. I'm not bringing anything. Not you. I won't give my cupboard to you. I won't give my... No, I won't give you a dime. But so hell is peace. It's challenging, folks. As a leader. As a father. No, no, no. It's challenging. And I know what I'm talking about. If you experience this, you are going to speak without wisdom. Like we said in the beginning. That godly heart will not be there anymore. You start opening your mouth and saying all manner of things. Listen, we're talking about your subordinate. People are supposed to be under you. Not giving you the respect that you need. What are you going to do? Hallelujah. Praise God. What will you do? Hold your peace. Just know that the first thing is, they recognize you or not, you are the king. <laughs> Hallelujah. You've been anointed as a king. God have approved your kingship. Whether they, are, they are believe you or not, it has no difference. It makes no difference in your life. You are the king at that moment. They can't take you from the throne. And the good thing about this story is this. Why some will not acknowledge him? There are people that will acknowledge him. So be happy with those who are acknowledging you. And be at peace with yourself. And keep silent about those who are not acknowledging you. It's as simple as that. Praise God. 
If you keep on thinking about this fraction of people who are not acknowledge you, you are always full of bitterness, you are always full of anger, you, in fact, you hate yourself. You hate yourself. Automatically, those people are not controlling you. I was speaking to somebody a few days ago. He needed my counseling. And I said, listen to me. I told you, we're dealing with a partner. And I said, listen to me. You know what? You're giving room to your wife to control you. And he said, how? I said, because your wife often gets you offended. Anytime you're offended, your wife may be happy. Unknown to you. You're losing focus. And so there's always every, the tendency for her to make you angry in a moment. Automatically, you're under her control. When you want to have your joy, it gets you angry. You lose your peace. You see what I'm saying? You don't allow people to control your life emotionally. Any man that rules you indirectly, you must dictate it. The man that offends you all the time, where you feel that there should be no offense, is controlling you from behind the scene unknown to you. And some people feel very happy that you are not happy. And did you get what I'm saying? They feel happy that you are what? You are not happy. So anytime you are happy, they will do something for you not to be happy. And guess what? Once you are not happy, you are no longer focused. You can think straight. You can do what you are supposed to do right. You can't even fulfill the will and the mind of God for you in that situation. You lose control. Why do you want to allow somebody to control your life? Why do you want to allow people under you to control your life? Why will you allow people to run you down from being focused and following what God has in mind for you? Be satisfied with a few crops that God has touched to respect you, to obey you, and keep on doing what you are supposed to do in life. Can I hear an amen? You are not going to get everybody to love you. No matter what happened, no, don't think about that. You won't get everybody to love you. It's not possible. But what I'm telling you is this. When you hold your peace, be rejoicing and satisfied with a few that God has told you how to do what? To love you. That gives you your life. Otherwise, you'll be angry every day. You'll be offended every moment. You'll be discouraged every moment. You'll lose control about your position, about what God has given to you. You'll lose control about the direction you are supposed to go. You'll lose control about the things that God wants to bring your way. You'll lose control because you become blind to the reality of your assignment. Listen to me. This was the king. He was supposed to lead men to war. I mean, if you understand that. You know, if he get angry, he can't even plan to find the Philistines anymore. If he's angry with people at home, how is he going to get to deal with the enemies outside? It's impossible. Don't allow people to control you because they don't recognize you. Come on, help me somebody. Don't allow people to control your spirit because they don't value you. No, they don't value you. God values you. Keep silence. Paul held his peace, even though men refused to value him. But there are people that valued him, and that's enough. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you have 50 people in a place, or less 20 people in a place, and five people value you, you are more than a conqueror. I was speaking to a pastor a few days ago, and I said, listen to me. He said, my wife doesn't respect me. One well, I said, Yes. If your wife once begin to respect you, then you know you got victory in your ministry. 
your relations as a pastor hardly recognizes you. If you, I'm just be honest with you, the first people to despise you are your relations and especially your wife. So if your wife acknowledges your ministry, then you've gotten victory in the hands of God. I don't even follow what I'm saying now. It is common with relations, especially with the pastoral work. And so it is in every setting, in every congregation. I'm just be honest with you. How many, who are the people that despise Jesus? We're not his relations? Come on, talk to me. Amen? We're not his relations? They are the first people to despise you. If you get angry because your relations despise you, you lose focus on what God has called you to do. So stay focused. Amen? Knowing why you are existing, stay focused. Just know where you are going. Just know what you want to do. Just know what God has called you to do. Amen? The same people that are despising you are the ones God has called you to control or to rule over. Listen, the people that didn't come to Saul are the people God has also ordained to be their king. And there's nothing he's going to do about that. Even the rebellious one. Oh, come on. The Bible tells me that God gave gift even to what? To the rebellious people. I'll share that with you next week. He held his peace. He's a king. He believes that. He knows that. So whether you recognize him or not, before God, he's a king. That settles the matter. Hallelujah. Come on, are you following what I'm saying? So what am I trying to make you understand? Don't allow sentiment of people's life and attitude to control your spirit. Hold your peace. You will lose focus. You will lose direction. You will lose strength and capacity and ability to be able to do what God has called you to do. Don't expect everybody to like you. Don't expect everybody to believe you. Don't expect everybody to respect you. No, that is too much an expectation. You will lose focus. Because when you have an expectation and the expectation is not coming, what happens? You lose control. You lose your mind. You lose your feeling. They may not insult you, but you just feel, you just detect that they are not respecting you. That alone takes you away from your major responsibility before God. Don't forget, it is God that anointed this man, and before God is a king, even though he doesn't have people to respect him, that will not be his focus. That will not be his mind. If there's anybody who's going to be focused on, let him focus on those whose heart have been touched by God to do what? To minister to him. Rejoice with the few that God has brought your way. Can I hear an amen? Anytime, anywhere. The few God has brought your way, respect them, honor them. And for the sisters, those who are listening to this, you see, it is hard for you to believe in your husband. Anytime, not only in ministry. Most times, women don't believe so much in their husband. It takes time. Before they can come to conclusion, it takes time to respect them, to believe them. Because you see, once a woman begins to respect a man, he will start honoring the man. I don't think getting this. The things that follow believing is honor. And you see what? When you honor the man, you bring God's glory to your life, you bring God's hand to your life, you bring God's respect to your life. I shared that with you here some time ago. The enemy does not attack the man as compared to how he attacks the woman. Indirectly, the woman doesn't know about that. 
So what does the woman do? I mean, does the devil do? The devil tries to make you to dishonor the man so that the blessing and the glory that God has placed upon the man upon your life will not manifest. The dominion of man that was given to Adam. So what happened? Adam was supposed to be the one to till the ground to do everything that was supposed to be done. And God said, let's give him a helpmate. Now the devil knew he can't touch Adam. He has to go through the woman. The woman came and ate. That means he dishonored the man because he never asked questions. He never go back to the man. He has already finished eating before coming to the Adam and said, you can eat also. You gave to me. He paid more, he closer attention to the man outside. He paid the closer attention to the man who is not in the system. Simple honor would request that Eve would go to Adam and say, a neighbor told me this. Do you think it's okay? A simple honor. But the devil knew if he can get Eve, he had destroyed the glory that plays upon Adam. Women, be careful. Your husband may not be who he is called to be right now, but he's going somewhere. Recognize it. If you believe that your husband is called by God, if you believe that your husband has the ministry, not just a teaching ministry, a business or whatever, there is somewhere your husband is going. Pay close attention. Stay in your place. I always recommend this. This is not marriage seminar, but I say this. What controls and put marriages together? You see, there's something my wife did some years back. She doesn't always remember, but I always remember. Even if, if she does anything right now that seems to hurt me, I remember that incident. I remember that incident. I remember I went to South Africa, I was preaching one time, I mentioned the incident. She doesn't know. You see, the kind of honor, respect you give to your husband is something that bonds him to you. Do you understand what I'm saying? It brings bonding to your life. It brings, you see, it is just stay in your, what I call your habitat. What's your habitat? Habitat is a place where God has designed you should be. For instance, God said the fish should be in the river. So if you are very wealthy, for instance, and you build a house, three bedroom flat, or even let's say a self-contained, you go and catch one big fish and bring it and say, I love you so much, take this self-contained and stay. What will happen to the fish? Fish will die. Why? Because the self-contained is not the habitat of the fish. Where's the habitat of fish? River. I don't know if you're getting that. If you want it to stay in that, in that self-contained, you're going to make an aquarium. You're going to make some water available. The habitat of the fish is water. It's not self-contained. It's not a flat. What is the habitat of a woman? Ephesians 5. For the man, husband, love your wife. For the woman, obey your husband. Finish matter. God doesn't change that. All those feminine things we are looking at. Eh? Human agenda. What do you call those ones? Feminine agenda or women agenda? I mean, uh, uh, what do you... Huh? Uh, thank you so much. What does agenda thing you are looking at? You are just wasting time. God has a habitat for the woman. He just like he has a habitat for the man. Love your wife. That's a habitat. Hello, where is she? Obey your husband. Okay. Pass the message to her. Amen. That's all. You don't need anything. If a woman is obeying you, if a woman is submissive to you, you're going to love her crazily. Do you understand that? 
There will be no quarrel. There will be no noise making. There will be nothing. The devil can come in. So the only thing the devil does for you to get into trouble is to make sure it dishonors the man. And you know what happened to the, the wife of, uh, what do you call him? King David. Right. Everybody's rejoicing. King David is dancing. Hey, look at you. Huh? Look at you. Dancing like one of those. Uh, look at you. Even dancing naked. Look at you. From window, not even out. You didn't, she didn't even come out. Others are out. She didn't even come out. The whole nation is dancing. She was there in the room. Queen. From the window. So look at you. I saw you. I saw you. Not that I was with you. I saw you. She was not involved in the husband ministry. She was not involved in the husband calling. She was not involved. She's just there as a king. The queen's wife. And that's all. But by the time that happened, I mean, if you understand the whole Bible, she was the one, the only woman that the Bible recommended that became buried. Why? She dishonored the man from what? From her heart. And God saw that. The glory that she was supposed to have as a queen was taken away. Don't dishonor those in authority. Don't dishonor those that God has called. Don't look down on people that God has placed ahead of you. Give them their place. Stay in your habitat. Let the man be in, in his habitat. Let the woman be in a habitat. There will be no devil in the midst of you. Are you following me? Learn to be at peace. Even though you are not respected. It's a glorious thing that is the wisdom of God. Praise the living God. Can you stand up? Thank you for listening to Dr. David Ogaga. We know you have been blessed by this station. You can share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information, inquiries, and free downloads, please visit www.davidogaga.org or you can send us an email admin at gkai.net. God bless you.